I'm Shireen. My five strengths are achiever, strategic, learner, competitive, and responsibility. Susie and my five strengths are restorative, connectedness, empathy, belief, and relater. Empathy, connectedness, relater, individualization, and developer. Hi, I'm Katie, and my five strengths are relater, developer, connectedness, strategic. I am empathy, adaptability, belief, connectedness, and developer. My five strengths are uh, responsibility, focus, analytical, relater, and learner. Hi, I'm Susan, and my five strengths are activator, communication, adaptability, woo, and positivity. Hi, I'm Joe, and my five strengths are restorative, harmony, consistency, relater, and includer. the well here at STSA. We're starting a new series today, as you see up there, which is called Living Your Strengths. And what we're going to be talking about over the next five or next two weeks, this week and next week, and then we'll be practicing for two weeks after that, is discovering who it is that God made us to be and the strengths that he put inside each one of us. And before I get into the series, I want to tell you the origin of why we're talking about what we're talking about, the origin of where this series came from. A few months ago, I guess it was now, we took a weekend getaway together as a church family. We went up for uh, Memorial Day weekend uh, up to Massanutten, and during that time, we did like a little survey of, of the church members who were there, and we talked about our 10 core values, and about each one of those values, giving a grade to where we stand on each one of those. So where do we stand on our, our core values of limitless acceptance and authentic community and transformational worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of our core values, the eighth one, is what you see up there on the screen. It says that we, it's, our, it's what we call faithful stewardship of talents and gifts. So one of the fundamental values and beliefs here at this church is that we believe that each one of us is entrusted by God with specific talents and gifts. And it is not an option it is not our, 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 our preference, but it is our duty to use those gifts to further Christ's mission on earth. It's something I believe in very much, that each one of us was gifted by God in a unique way, and God put you in that seat today because there isn't anybody in the world that has those gifts. And God makes us, is what I always believe and I always say, as a church, we are complete. No individual, including me, is complete. But when you add my strength plus yours, plus yours, plus yours, plus yours, and all the way around, then we as a body, we're the body of Christ, the body of Christ is complete. But only when each person realizes how they're gifted and is using those gifts to the fullest. Of all our 10 core values, 
This one, all of them got very good grades, okay? But I'm not saying anything. But this one was one of our lowest. People graded this one. Every, everyone was very positive in their grades, but this was the one that was hanging on a little bit of the lower end. I think it was the third from the, the bottom one, maybe the second from the bottom. And I'll show you some of the comments that people wrote as to why. Someone wrote, I feel we are not maximizing everyone's gift. I feel we are not maximizing. Take note of his words, and I'll come back to that. Another person wrote, I feel that many people in the church are gifted and talented, but lack encouragement to showcase their gifts and talents. Maximizing and showcasing, I like those words. And then the last guy put it succinctly, a lot of people can volunteer for more stuff for services. Bottom line is this. As much as I believe in the importance of diversity, and as much as I believe in the power that when each person uses their gift, the body is complete, what good is that belief if we are not tapping into that with the people sitting in those chairs? What good is it for me to stand here and believe that each person is gifted and this church is better off when each person is using their gifts if the people in the seats don't feel that same way, if the people feel that they're not being maximized or showcased or simply put, that we can do more stuff around here? That's where this series came from. Let me tell you what this series is not about. This series is not about convincing you and our people that we need to volunteer more. Because actually, when you look at our rate of volunteering, like just as a, as a rough number, roughly 65 to 70% of the people in this church are actively volunteering in some service or another. That is very good. That is actually very high. Most churches are around one-third, and most, I know, like most churches are even lower than that. So this is not about asking you to volunteer. This is about trying to make sure that you're not just volunteering, but that you are maximizing your gifts. And that's the difference that we're going to talk about here. And that not you are just using your gifts, but you are showcasing them. Said another way, what this series is all about is about finding your sweet spot. Everyone has a sweet spot, a place where they were created to do something. And when you are in that spot and in that service and in that volunteer team, and you're doing what you were created to do, then service is not boring. Service is not a duty. Service is not tedious. It is joyful. It is satisfying, it's fulfilling when you're doing what you were created to do. And that's the point of this series, is that each one of us needs to discover who we are and then make sure that we hit that sweet spot. Because this is what we were made for. It's a couple of verses from Scripture. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Bible says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Bottom line is God gave us gifts, and He expects us to use those gifts to serve Him. If I go to my child... And I say, here's a lawnmower. I don't expect him to go wash the dishes. I expect him to go mow the lawn. That's why I gave him the lawnmower. And if I go to another child and I give that child a broom, expect him to sweep. If I give another child a toilet thing, okay, cleaner thing, I expect him to clean the toilet. All right, and God is that same way. He gives us these tools and he gives us gifts to use them for him. Too many of us are given a lawnmower and try to clean the toilet with a lawnmower. Or too many of us are trying to sweep with uh, the toilet thing and just making it all kinds of bad situation because we aren't maximizing. We're using our gifts, but we're not maximizing our gifts. Another verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says that we are his workmanship. I love that word, workmanship. Y'all know what workmanship is? If you go to uh, an artist and you say, show me your workmanship, 
He didn't just throw you, just show you the thing in the corner. The workmanship is, that's the real deal. Where everything fit right way. And every stroke and every color and everything. That's my workmanship. And God says that we are his workmanship. And he put inside each one of us specific gifts and talents. Why? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's how the timeline works. It's not that God gives you gifts and then you figure out what you're going to do with them. It's God knows I want this person to do this, and then he goes and gives you the gifts in order to get it done. You see how that works? God says that I want Father Anthony to do this one day, so therefore, before Father Anthony is born, I created him a certain way so that he could fulfill that at one point in time down the road. Our goal in this series is to identify our God-given strengths, the things that are not designed by us, but are programmed by God. And when you do, you discover those strengths and you use those strengths, I'll make you three money-back promises. Number one is that you will find satisfaction and fulfillment. Number two, this church will fulfill its potential when every one of us is in our strength. And number three, and most important of all, God will ultimately be glorified in the end. When each one of us is using our strength, it will lead to our personal growth, this church's fulfillment of its mission, and the glory of God in heaven. And the flip is also true. If you don't discover your strengths, and you aren't using your strengths, and you are letting your strengths sit idly by, and you are not maximizing who God made you to be, you will not grow personally in your spiritual walk. Okay, you will not be able to fulfill God's plan for you. This church will not be able to do all the great things that God wants his church to do. And most importantly, the name of God will not be honored in the way that he deserves to be honored. That's where we're going with this series. First, a story. Meet Rick and Liz. Rick and Liz are not two true people, but their story is one that I've seen thousands and thousands of times. The story goes like this. Rick and Liz moved to a new town. And when they moved to that new town, the first thing, they're good boys and girls. They said, we need to find a church. Riz and Lick are, uh, Riz and Lick? Rick and Liz. Rick and Liz. I should have chose easier names, okay? Rick and Liz are married couple, early 40s, two young kids, Got to raise our family in church. So they do their investigation, and they find a great church. They show up at the church, and they like the church. People are very nice. People are very friendly. The preacher man stands up there and says, anyone wants to join this church? They have a membership class, kind of like we have a membership group, and they decide to join. They take the class, and they say, we want to be members of this church. And then, like we do at the end of our membership group for those joining the church, we say it's important that you use your spiritual gifts to serve God. All right, so we talk about different volunteer opportunities. So Rick and Liz heard all about the different volunteer opportunities. They said, you know, we're willing to give it a try. We want to get more involved. We want to be fully invested in this church. We're willing to give it a try. So the, the volunteer coordinator comes back to them and says, perfect. You guys will serve on our greeters team. You guys will be greeters, people who shake people's hands and welcome people as they come in. They did this greeter thing for four weeks. And after four weeks... Rick and Liz had the exact opposite response. Liz is a social butterfly. So Liz said, this is the best thing in the world. Liz was in heaven. It's easy for her to make conversation with people. She's very outgoing naturally. She enjoyed meeting new people and, and meeting people from different uh, aspects that she wouldn't have otherwise met. She said being a greeter was the best because she would have not met so many people otherwise. Rick, on the other hand, 
said the exact opposite. Rick said this was the most miserable experience of his life. He said every minute of it was awkward, uncomfortable, and he said he'd rather go and have root canal than ever do this again. What happened to Rick and Liz is very common in churches all over America. The common mistake, and it's a critical mistake, but it's very common, is that when the church makes the assumption that anybody can do anything if they were spiritual enough. If you were spiritual enough, you could do this service. And this church might look at Rick and say, you know what? He just doesn't love Jesus enough. How could you love Jesus and not love greeting his people? How can you love your neighbor and not love? How could you say you want to be part of our church? You don't want to meet new people. And we do that. And he's not committed and he's not spiritual. Is the problem with Rick or is the problem with the church that discounted the importance and the value of diversity? And that each one of us is given different gifts and different talents. And we are meant to serve in different ways. I don't agree that anybody can do anything. I don't agree with that. Well, let me say that again. I do agree that anybody can do anything. But what I don't agree is that anybody can do anything well. Anybody can do anything if they try hard enough. But that doesn't mean that you can do it well. Rick could force himself to be a greeter. He could learn. And as, as a socially introverted person, and I told you before I'm awkward. I said this last week about my awkwardness. As an awkward person, you can learn a couple key phrases, okay, that are your go-to, and you can have a strategy. If males say this, if females say this, if talk, well, you can have a strategy, okay, if you're systematic like I am. He could force himself to do it. But what's going to happen if he stays in this service too long? Eventually, he's going to become disengaged. He's going to become frustrated. He's going to be labeled as the uncommitted guy who shows up later and later to serve every week. And it's not going to end very good. Because, yes, you can do anything you want if you try hard enough. But you can't do it well. I'll make fun of myself here. If you ask me to be a nanny, I'm not saying I'm not physically capable of being a nanny, of caring for a little person. All right? I'm saying I could do it, but I probably wouldn't do a very good job. You know why? Because I believe that every day needs to have a task list. I like to-do lists. And I would come into that nanny position and say, okay, what's on task list for today? Today we're going to accomplish this. But the problem is with little kids, they don't like to accomplish stuff. They like to play. You ask me to be a nanny for your child, I would hate them and they would hate me by, by lunchtime. That's how long it would take. Because that's not my gift. That's not something that I was made to do or, or I'm gifted in. I'll tell you the other one that I always think to myself, this is like, forgive me, I hope I'm not offending anyone here. This is just me. Concierge. Y'all know what a concierge is? To me, I don't understand what the benefit of these. Make me a concierge. We want to go someplace to eat. Okay, go. Help yourself. What's a good restaurant? I don't know. You have internet, don't you? <laughs> help yourself, man. That's hospitality thing isn't necessarily my gift, all right? Doesn't mean I couldn't do it. Just means I couldn't do it well. Well, see, here's the thing is I believe that with your career, the hope is that you're doing what you love. That's the hope. But let's be honest, sometimes you got to make ends meet, and sometimes you can't do what you love. you got to put food on the table. A absolutely. But when it comes to serving in the church, we have to do what we love. And this is where we should not accept, I'm in a position, and I'm just doing it because I have to, and I'm not just going through the motions, because I'm telling you, long term, you ain't going to last. 
You ain't going to last in this position. And in addition to that, forget about even if you last, you are not maximizing the impact that God wants you to make. You could be having a much greater impact if you discovered who you're made to be, and you could have a greater impact on this church and a greater impact on the community. And I promise you a greater impact on your life as well. I love the story of Rick and Liz because I am Rick. I am Rick. And if you asked me to do, do the greater thing, I'd struggle with that. And I know a lot of people in this room might be Rick, but I know a lot of people in this room might be Liz. And they might say, bring it on. There's no such thing. Some people, there's no such thing as a stranger. It's just a friend I haven't met yet. And each one of us needs to discover who it is that God made us to be. And my hope is through these next few weeks that you'll be able to do that here through this series. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 15 says, You, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I love that verse. God didn't mass produce us. God knit us. Y'all seen someone knit? Knit is, you know what I'm saying? Is knit. I'm going to give you this personality. Then I'm going to give you this uh, strengths. And I'm going to give you this gifts. And he knit us together. Not mass production. Wasn't like Mr. Potato just pick one of the ears and one of the eyes. and one. Of, it wasn't like that. Is that God knit us together, all right, every single piece of us in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Here's my question for you. Have you found your sweet spot yet? Be honest. Have you found your sweet spot yet? Have you found that place in this church where you fit and you fit better than anybody else fits? And when you're doing your thing, it isn't tiring. Of course, tiring is a relative term. Like we, we, you're tired, but you, you, it's, you can be tired but rested. Okay, and I always say that about like sometimes I'm physically tired, but I'm rested on the inside versus the other way around. Where you are feeling satisfied and you feel like this is what I was made to do. If you haven't found that spot, that I invite you to join this next couple weeks, this series, and take this seriously. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a rough outline, then I'm going to get into it in a little bit. We're going to ask everybody to take a certain test together. All right, and maybe you've heard of it. I'm sure many of you have taken it. It's called a Clifton Strengths Finder Test. And we're going to use the results of that test to try to see what are the potential volunteer opportunities in this church where you might be able to fit better. I promise you, if you take this seriously, this is not only going to help you in your church feel connected, it's going to help you in your spiritual life, this is going to help you in your relationships. This is going to help you at work as well in dealing with people. A few weeks ago, a group of us did this. All right, we kind of took a, a guinea pig uh, group, okay, of people who are leading different volunteer teams, and we got the book together, we read the book, we all took the test, and then we discussed our strengths together. We got a short little video clip here of what, in their own words, what the results were. Take a listen. I think, learning, I think learning my strengths helped me because prior to doing this retreat, I had just sort of had this image of what it meant to be a leader. And it was just this person who was like very structured and like spoke with authority and commanded a room. And that's not very much me. So I never really thought of myself as like a person who could be a leader or do anything like that. But when I took the test, it showed me that my leadership qualities were slightly different. I mean, it was like empathy and like working well with others and including people. And 
I had never really thought that those qualities could make me strong or make me a leader. And so it was nice to see that I didn't have to be that person or that image of a leader that I thought I had to be, but I can just embrace the qualities that I already had and I could still be effective. And Learning my strengths was a very beneficial thing for me as far as A, like knowing who I am and, try, and explaining a lot of the things that are like very natural to me that now I understand that it's a strength that God gave me and it's something that I can excel in and I understand now why I do a lot of the things that I do. So when I realized what my strengths were, it kind of, it didn't surprise me, but I started laughing because I, when I was reading over the descriptions of the strengths, I felt like it was just describing me. Once I knew my strengths and I talked it over with my wife, it helped in our conversations, it helped in our marriage big time because she realized with my strengths, how do I approach any conversation or a situation that we have? She understands what are my gifts from God and my strengths and she's able to understand how I'm approaching different situations. It also helped me in terms of relating to other people who have different set of strengths and seeing that it doesn't mean necessarily that they're wrong, it just means that we view things in a different way. So it actually really helped me to be able to see value in other people's strengths that I may not have seen before. Specifically to the WELL team, I think it helped me um, realize that my team and, and the people that are supporting the WELL really need to be a diverse group of people with various strengths. Everybody brings something to the table that no one else on the team can bring. And it's really important that each individual knows that and can um, come to the to the meetings and come to the preparation um, sessions ready to provide their strengths to the team. And when I saw what my ministry is in the setup team and how those strengths applied, it felt like it was ordained from God. Like I always tell people, I never signed up to be on the setup team. I don't know what I was getting myself into when I asked a simple question of where we're going to get certain supplies from, and I ended up on the setup team. Um, but looking at what my strengths are, especially restorative, um, which is really about solving problems, and on the setup team, we come in every Sunday morning and there's something that's wrong that we have to fix. And what we, what I learned from that is. God gave me a strength and he put me in a plain place to use that strength to glorify him and to glorify him in the church and to help build this church into something that glorifies him and brings people to his, church, to his home. You fill in the blank, okay? Our goal is to reach that sweet spot where we know what we're made to do and we get to practice it. Let's go through a little terminology right here so we're all on the same page. What is a strength? I keep using that word. Here's our working definition for this series. A strength is an ability to provide consistent, above-average performance in a given activity. Consistent, above-average performance in a given activity. A strength is an ability to do something well and to continue to do that well, and it's a natural thing. It's not something that requires, like it's instinctual. Now, with that said, a strength is actually made up of two different components. There is a natural component, but then as we'll talk about in a little bit, there is a working component. As with everything in life, there's a God piece, and then I combine that with a me piece. There's a talent that God gives me, and then the effort that I put in to enhance that skill. And I'll tell you what I mean. Story of another guy, a guy named Jim. Jim 
is someone who teaches Bible study classes at a church somewhere. And Jim has been teaching Bible study classes at his church for more than 20 years. When it first started, when he first started in this, in this task of teaching Bible study classes, Jim, just like I told you with Rick and Liz, showed up at the church, and he'd been there for a while, and he was asked to get involved, and he said, okay, I do training classes at work, so I know I can teach. So he said, let me get into the idea of teaching Bible study classes. So he gave it his best shot, and he quickly realized that he does have a natural gift for it. But he didn't just stop there. What Jim did, based on that, is he enhanced that skill and made it into a true strength. How? He learned how to read Greek and Hebrew. He signed up for uh, seminars in Bible archaeology. He took a course in multimedia presentation. He took the gift that was given to him by God. He added his own work and effort into it, and he made himself into the, one of the best teachers in the Bible study, probably the, most, the best one in his church, who was most successful in it because he took the God-given ability, he recognized it, he added the human effort, and he came out with a strength. A strength is a combination of three things. A strength is a combination of your talents plus skills plus knowledge. A strength is a combination of talents plus skills plus knowledge. Let me define these terms. Talent, that's the natural component. Talent is the, is the instinctual part of me that is ordained by God. Like you, like you know to be true in your relationships. Some people, without mentioning names, are just naturally competitive by their nature. Just how God made them. All right, That's just something that's inside them. Some people are by their nature empathetic. Some people, by their nature, are problem solvers. Some people, by their nature, are able to, like, see potential and possibility in future things. Okay, that's just how God made us. That's just a talent. It's something that you don't got, like, let's say, for example, I tend to be a little more on the competitive side. Okay, you don't need to, I don't need to take a class on being competitive. Uh, I don't need to think about it and say, oh, no, that's just how I am. We go somewhere, okay, we go to a restaurant. Who's going to finish their dinner first? Okay, that's the way automatically a competitive person thinks. An empathy person, like my wife, she's an empathy person, automatically enters a room and she naturally gravitates to the person who looks like they might potentially be sad. How? She always finds them. I don't know. Okay? But it's instinctual for her. She finds the person that not is sad, but that might be sad. And I bet you if that person isn't sad today, they'll be sad tomorrow and she somehow knew it. She finds her way to that person. That's a talent that God gave her. Empathy is not something that is takes effort some people by their nature make people laugh some people are funny people some people by their nature the more pressure you put on them the more they thrive under that pressure everyone is different a skill is not a god-given thing a skill is a man-made thing what a skill is is the basic ability to follow a set of steps to accomplish a task for example if my job were as a, let's say I worked at a hotel, all right, I, I wouldn't say it's my talent to check people into their rooms, but that's a skill that you can learn. Okay, you go there and you learn the skill of checking people in. You can go and learn a skill of filing insurance claims. You go learn a skill of calculus. These are skills. We can't say that it's a talent. We say it's a skill that 
Some people, you know, I mean, if you work hard enough, you can attain this skill. Knowledge, add knowledge on top of it. Knowledge is not a skill that you learned, but it's information that you have acquired either through kind of two forms, either through like formal training, meaning like, like the, uh, the periodic table of elements. That's knowledge that I study and I learn, all right? Or I can learn the history of the Revolutionary War. I study that information. Or like I said, my friend, the guy, the Bible guy, he can study and learn the books of the Bible or the history of whatever, something you study. But there's also knowledge that you gain by experience. The hotel clerk that I said a minute ago may have the knowledge, the learned knowledge of how to deal with an angry customer. Or the insurance guy may learn from experience, you know, in his specific situation, how to deal with an angry boss. Okay? There's information, knowledge that we learn, you know, on the job. What is a strength? Is a talent plus a skill plus a knowledge. A natural God-given talent that God gives you Add it on top of that skills that you learn, and then combine that with knowledge that you acquire along the way. What's more important to learn? What I'm talented in, or what I'm skilled in, or what I'm knowledgeable about? What's the most important of these three? The first one, the talent. Why? Because the only one that I can't acquire is the only one that I can't go out and, and, and work hard to achieve. Like I said, I will never be an empathetic person. There's nothing that you can do to, to make me, like that's just not who I am. And some people are the exact opposite. Skills I can learn. Talents are transferable from one skill set to another. So for example, if I have the talent of, let's say again, back to the hotel desk clerk, and I am, you know, talented in making people feel comfortable. That's a talent that I have. All right, that talent will transfer to the greeters team at church. It will transfer to, if I work in a hospital as a nurse, that same talent, make people feel comfortable, make people feel comfortable at church, make people feel comfortable in a hospital room. The talent transfers. The skill doesn't. Okay, the skill of how to check people in doesn't work in, in the church setting or work in the, ho in the ho hospital setting. So the skills and the knowledge can be acquired, but it's the talent that is of most value. Because that's what transfers. Biblical example, St. Paul. Y'all know St. Paul lived two very vastly different lives. St. Paul had one life, and then St. Paul's other life was 100 degrees to the other side. St. Paul, before he was converted to Christianity, was stubborn, was single-minded, and was extremely zealous in his attack of Christianity. He was the number one killer of Christians. He was stubborn. He was single-minded, and he was extremely zealous against Christianity. And then he converted and became a Christian. And you know what happened to him after? He was stubborn, he was single-minded, and extremely zealous in his defense of Christianity. Same guy, same natural talent. What changed in St. Paul wasn't his, his, his talents or his skills or anything like that, is that he used his talents in this direction. And then Jesus said, no, turn around this way. Okay. And then he used the same skill in this way. And what made him the most hated man of Christianity, when he turned him around, same talent made him the MVP of Christianity. Okay, after Jesus. He was the number one, like, most important guy after Jesus in all of Christianity. Why? Because that's what happens with our talents. Once we discover them, then we can apply them to so many different areas in our relationships, in our service, in our career, and so many different things. 
But the key is to discover them. Oh, okay, here's a verse from St. Paul. Okay, this is what St. Paul was talking about. He writes it this way in Galatians 1, verse 13. You have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the, among the Gentiles. Then he goes and talks about the rest of his career, how he did the exact same thing, how he excelled in, in zealousness, but just in this way. But the key for us, like I said, is we need to discover our strengths. Too many people, we think in terms of the wrong way. We think in terms of minimizing weaknesses. We need to think in terms of maximizing strengths. We need to think in terms of not necessarily being, I know this sounds bad, okay, being well-rounded. Like you hear that, being well-rounded. And I'm all for being well-rounded. But there's a danger when you think that way too much. Our goal is not to be well-rounded in the sense that I am equally skilled in every different aspect. Okay, if that's how you're defining well-rounded, that, that, that's not the good way. There's a good way of well-rounded, but that's not the way. We don't need to be good in every, di every different thing. What we need to be do, what we need to do figure out what God made us to do and then excel in that area. Let's say, for example, I'm a basketball player, all right, and um, I'm right-handed, so I shoot with my right hand, and I'm, not to toot my own horn, I think I'm pretty good shooting my right hand, all right, but now, okay, I try to learn how to shoot with my left hand, because when I play against my kid, okay, because I'm competitive, all right, I have to make the game meaningful, so the way we play is I only play with my left hand, I can't touch with my right hand, so now I've started getting better with my left hand. Okay, it's nine-foot rim, but still, okay, I'm better with my left hand. Let's say I'm at this level of uh, whatever, you know, whatever career aspirations I have in the NBA. All right, let's say. What would be more effective? To say, let me be 50-50 with my left and my right, which would be valuable, or let me be the best right-handed shooter in the whole wide universe, which is more likely to make me a greater impact in the National Basketball Association. Our goal isn't to minimize our weaknesses. Yes, it's good to work on our weaknesses, but our goal is to maximize my strengths and be the best right-handed guy that I can possibly be. That's how I want us to think in the church. It's not, I'm not good at greeting. Let me force myself to do it so I'm well-rounded. No, I want to say, I want to say, I stink at greeting. You stink at greeting. Get off the greeting team. You stink. You have pushed more people away from this church than you have brought people to this church. You stink. But you are very good at something else. And I guarantee you're, you are great at something that nobody else in this church is great at except you. I want to discover what that is. I want to give you a chance to maximize it. I'm going to invite Michael to come up here now real quick. And Michael's going to talk to you real quick about logistically what it is that we're asking, not asking as much as inviting everybody to do here to maximize uh, this series here together. And we've got a microphone for Michael. Anybody got a microphone there? Another microphone? It's okay. Give a big hand to Michael, okay? Yeah. And while Michael is speaking, these lovely ladies here are going to pass those things out. We're going to distribute some, uh, some handouts there for you, some flyers, which talk about some details about what Michael's going to be talking about right here. So we can distribute those as quickly as we can. It'll be fantastic, all right? Okay, as you're getting this handout, I'm going to explain something we're going to do. The book, we're going to talk more about the book in a second, but the Living Your Strengths book, I highly encourage everyone to get the book. 
at the back of the book, there's a code for a website where you can take a, an exam to find out what are your five strengths. A week from today, we're going to have a workshop. The workshop is for us to have discussions. We're going to break into small groups and just talk out loud what are your strengths, how you can utilize it uh, for God's kingdom, and how you can use your God-given gifts, your strengths, for God's kingdom and for the church. So in, in order to get the most out of the workshop, you have to take the exam and find out what are your five strengths and bring it next Sunday. The logistics of the workshop, we're going to have two workshops. There's going to be one here, and there's going to be one just a 10-minute walk from here at an apartment clubhouse. The one here is going to be for, for families or for people that need uh, daycare. Childcare. Childcare. We're going to have childcare here. Um, and then for anybody else that doesn't need childcare, you can go up the street. I'll, we'll give you the address next week on where it is. Just a 10-minute walk from here. Um, uh, if both are going to be exactly the same. So they're both the same. But it's just going to be a lot of discussions and questions to ask each other about your strengths and how you can utilize your strengths. Uh, for here, there's going to be uh, just small sandwiches and things like that here uh, for anybody that's interested. But after the well, you will, we'll take a break for everyone to go get lunch on your own. And then at 2 o'clock, we'll meet back here and at the clubhouse uh, to uh, have the workshop. But again, you have homework over the next week to do the exam. Because it, it, it won't help much if you go to the workshop without knowing your five strengths. So. Thank you, Michael. Give him a big hand. Thank you, Michael. <clears throat> so uh, I'm just going to change one word Michael said. He said the exam. Don't think of it as an exam, okay? Think of it more as like a survey. What it, what it take? People who did it before, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that? Yeah. Huh? 20 minutes? Okay, 20 minutes. See, I'm competitive. I got it in 10, 15. Okay, he got it in 20. Okay, so I win. Okay, you're gonna take this test, and I'm sure a lot of you may have taken. Raise your hand if you've taken this for work before. Okay, so a lot of people have because this is something that many businesses use to help you identify. Like it's not a Christian thing. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a human being thing. And when you take the test, they will give you in order your five top strengths. And like I said in the video, mine are. I'm telling you what Joe said in the video about how it's like reading your own. I'm reading my, the description of my strengths, and it's like reading my biography. It's like what someone's going to say at my funeral. Someone's going to stand up and say, this is the story of Father Anthony. They just read that because that's exactly me. I'm responsibility. That's my number one. All right? And me and my wife always used to joke about how, you know, the book Five Love Languages, and there's different love languages. Well, I added the sixth one. My love language is responsibility. All right? That's the most important thing to me is responsibility. And then my number two is focus. All right? And then I am analytical, and then I am relater, and I'm a learner as well. Focus, like, uh, like, like, for example, okay, the beauty of this test, uh, one like focus. I can be laser-like focused, all right? And when I discovered, when I, when I read the description after taking the test, I used to see that in a negative way, okay? Because at times, when you're really focused on a task, you may miss stuff, okay? A person okay, a spouse, like you may miss stuff going by in this direction, a child, a bleeding child, like you may miss stuff because you were laser-like focused. But after reading the description, it said that, of course, it can be taken to a negative degree, but it can also be a very strong, positive thing. And I'll be honest, as I'm reading it, I don't think I could survive as a priest when you have a thousand people tugging at you everywhere, come do this, visit this, write this, ask this. 
without that ability at some point in time. So I see how God gave me that strength for focus to be able to do what God made me to do because God knew he wanted me to do this, so he had to give me that focus. And on the flip side, like I said in the video, you learn about some other people's, like tell you about Marianne because she's not here right now, okay? One of her strengths, all right, which, you know, I didn't see it as a strength necessarily before is adaptability, okay? Adaptability, flexibility, okay, adaptability, all right? Before, I see that as a weakness, meaning we said we're going to leave at 9.10. It's now 9.09, okay, and you're not in the car. I don't understand. But then as I was reading it, especially how someone with kind of my skill set really needs to be someone with some flexibility in her skill set, okay, and her strengths. Then I see that God knows what he's doing right here, and then God gave me a wife, okay? So I see it I see it in a very selfish way. God wanted me to do this, so he gave me this, and he knew I needed a person with this, so he gave me a person with that. And that's what I'm saying. That's the beauty of this, of this test. Is you discover who God made you to be and who God made the people around you to be. And I want you to get to that point where you say, like the people in that video, this is what I was made to do. This is what feels right. All right? So we're all going to read the book. We don't need to read the book. I'm giving you a summary of the book over the next two weeks. You need to get the book to get the test. Okay, the book is usually on sale. Like you can buy the book for like 15, 20 bucks, wherever. But we're selling it for 10 bucks back here. And it'll give you the book that you can read as well as the code to take the test online. And the book also gives you descriptions of each of the, the skills. Okay, so if you just buy the test, just do the Clifton's test online. It'll cost you 10 bucks. So go get the book for 10 bucks. All right. And that way you can read the description about it as well. And then, like Michael said, workshops next Sunday. Optional anyone who wants to do that, certainly welcome to come talk it out. Be very beneficial. Last thing I want to leave you with I said a minute ago our goal was not to be well rounded. You know why our goal is not to be well rounded? Because the Bible says that our goal it is required in stewards not to be found well rounded, but to be found faithful. You know what's well-rounded? A rubber ball. That's well-rounded. I take that rubber ball and I throw it against that wall, nothing's going to happen. It's going to bounce back at me. You know what's not well-rounded? An arrow. If I take that arrow and I pull back on that bow and I fire into that wall, that's going to make an impact. We don't want this church to be a group of people of bouncing ping-pong balls. And all we do is run around Arlington with little ping pong balls, running around, making no impact on nobody, making no impact on the church, no impact on nothing. We want to be arrows. God didn't make me to be good at everything. He didn't. But God made me to be very good at certain things. And my goal is to figure out what God made me to be very good in and to be even more very good in it, to be even very better in it, to be the best that I can be in that one area. And that's the goal. Um, why? Because like I said in the beginning, is we believe that each one of us is entrusted by God with specific talents and gifts. And we believe that you will not be all you can be until you discover it. This church will not be all the church can be. And God will not receive the ultimate glory until each one of us is maximizing the strengths that he has given to us. So I hope you're excited. And you're going to take this journey here with us. And we're all going to see the impact on the church, on ourselves, and our community after it's over. All right. Let's stand up together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you because you knit us together in our mother's womb. And you gifted us in specific ways 
And we're excited, Lord, to begin this journey together as a church to see how it is that you made us and how it is you want us to serve you and the impact that you want to make through us. I pray, Lord, that you give everyone like a special blessing and you'd open up each one of our hearts and our minds to, to like learn more about the way that you designed us, that this church can fulfill its purpose and that each person here can be who you made them to be. All we want, Lord, is when we get to the end of this race to be found, like the verse said, to be found faithful. Not good at everything, but good at the thing which you made us to be good in. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week.